Welcome to the Twin Minds Unwind podcast. This is Dr. Holly Batchelder, and today we have a very special guest. My friend, Dr. Lee Kunkel, is here um, to share two topics that she's really interested in, and I'm really excited to interview her. It's been a big dream of mine to like interview my friends, who are also my colleagues and those I, I look up to, and she's someone I worked closely with on our pre-doctoral internship in Denver, Colorado, and she's still based there currently, working at a hospital there in primary care, and she is a really amazing friend and she's a really amazing psychologist. So I'm really looking forward to having her here on our show today. Um, Lee, how are you doing? And please share what got you into your work. Um, I'm doing well. I'm very excited to be here. It's really mm -hmm. nice to see you and talk to you. Um, yeah, I would say the my current work uh, is kind of a culmination of a lot of training and health psychology and finding different medical settings uh, where mental health services are integrated um, into kind of the medical practice. Uh, I finished up, uh, you know, our kind of final training year in primary care and have fun. And it's a really fascinating uh, type of work and it's really fast. And I see a lot of different clinical presentations and I like the variety a lot um and topics that we're gonna discuss today really show up a lot in primary care so both mm -hmm. chronic illness management and and grief um although i think those show up a lot in general um in our field um i see a lot of patients who sometimes exclusively talk to their mm -hmm. pdps about those things um which is a really unique opportunity then to get to kind of step into that uh, work that and that relationship that they have with their medical providers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is the work that you do. And I know that it's really hard to get bored in because it is high acuity. There's a lot of stress in that environment as well, too. And there's, there's a lot of people who need help. So being able to be in the hospital system already, you, you have access to these patients who need help. Um, but there's a really high, there's high levels of burnout too. And I think that's become much more prevalent and present and just brought into our general awareness since the pandemic. And we have that experience from being interns during a global pandemic at the very start of it. So that's how we're bonded forever, um, yeah. working together and what was happening. Um, yeah. and to say, to be in the field and to still be at the hospital, I definitely commend you. I left the hospital system because of my burnout, frankly, and went into a group practice and now private practice. Um, so I have a lot of respect to, to my colleagues who are in a really kind of like high stress environment. I know you guys are doing just amazing work too. Um, yeah. My question, though, this is a broad question, but how is our mental health impacted by our physical illness or chronic mm -hmm. illness? Um, I mean, I'll like start with the annoying psychology answer. That's it depends uh, on yeah. um, the condition and, and the person um, and kind of the timeline too, mm -hmm. of like when they're diagnosed with whatever it is that they um, get diagnosed with. And so I would say it can be a, a lot of different things, but generally speaking, I think it's a, our mental health is affected by adjustment to mm -hmm. changes in our body and our health in 
what it takes to feel healthy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of chronic illnesses, um, the treatment of them and the management of them involve like some big lifestyle changes. And I, for example, see a lot of type two diabetes mm-hmm. um, with the patients that I meet with. And when someone is first diagnosed, like um, even if they've been feeling poorly for a long time or they've suspected that um, diabetes might be part of what's going on, adjusting their diet and their routine around um, their blood sugars and insulin, coming to the doctor more often than they used to, all of those things can be really overwhelming, bogged down with some of those changes. And to the point where sometimes you get kind of like um, frozen, like there's so many changes to make and have to do all of them. And I'm so overwhelmed by that, that I do none of them. And then it just gets mm-hmm. worse, right? Like, it, then it's more anxiety-provoking. Your health is worse. Mm-hmm. The worse you feel physically, the harder it is to like, process big changes and do things that are outside of your routine. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's, like, one really broad answer to, yeah, like, great. I think we can, our mental adjustment to mm-hmm. how we live our life and our relationship to our body can be like pretty intense and I think it can be like much more profound than than sometimes we give it credit for I get a lot of mm-hmm. patients like I should already be used to this I should already you know this shouldn't be so hard um oh wow. and one I kind of I don't know I like can't hide my facial expression when should but in general i kind of mm-hmm. flinch a little bit i think mm-hmm. um, yeah because they're they're you're learning something totally new and your body has changed and i you know i think it applies to chronic health like chronic illness but i also think it applies to a lot of different things we experience i think you know listening to past episodes you and Allison talking about uh, changes after having kids, after being mm-hmm. pregnant, while you're pregnant. Like, that's not, pregnancy's not a chronic illness, but I think a lot of the same adjustment related stuff still applies. Yeah. I mean, I related as soon as you said, you know, that you have patients who say, what well, I, sh- I should be feeling differently um, or doing something differently. Um, there's a lot of should statements and underlying guilt or even yeah. shame. And I'm curious how that shows up in in a medical setting when there's already, like, frankly, a lot for a lot of people, a lot of like fear and distrust in, in the medical system. Um, so I can imagine that can also be challenging in you know working, of course, with folks who may not may not even want to work with the psychologist when they just think it's a medical model. This is what I'm supposed to do. But I can also see how helpful that could be too. How do you? Um, how do you see grief in in your work or how does grief come up the most um, in your line of work and how is that treated? Mm-hmm. Really good question. I think because I'm thinking about chronic illness, that is, I mean, one really, really common place where grief comes up in, I guess, like non-traditional ways. I say like non-traditional because it's grief. Uh, 
not related to losing a loved one, right? It's grief mm-hmm. related to losing, um, you know, like certain physical abilities or, or losing access to the way you have done things um, or the way you feel about yourself. Um, there's a lot of loss in, in that adjustment, even if there are a lot of gains as well, right? Like that kind of transition into doing things differently can involve a lot of mourning. And I think in that presentation, I really, really try to identify that. Some patients are more receptive to just the word grief and and Mm -hmm. loss when talking about like, you can't ride your bike or you can't cook the things you used to cook. Uh, And that's a loss. And there's grief around that. And, but just making space for like, before we get to what you should be doing or like, Mm. you know, how you should have already adjusted to this, um, where your end goal is. Like, I think it can be really valuable to make space for like, you know, let's just sit with that 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 thing is no longer a part of your life validating it as like normal too i think a lot about slowing it down um in terms of like clinical approach just hang out here for a while like the space to talk about it and to have someone say like wow that's really hard or wow that makes a lot of sense that you feel that way it is pretty rare for a lot of people and unfortunately i've talk to a lot of patients who are told by people in their life that they should be over it whatever it is why does this still bother you Mm -hmm. and that um one is a little it's heartbreaking to hear um and I think it highlights the importance of just like them coming in and just talking about it even if it isn't even if it doesn't feel like I'm doing very much, knowing that that's mm-hmm. meaningful, um, which is also something that like I found really valuable in my professional identity too, mm-hmm. being able to acknowledge that like just being there is an intervention, mm-hmm. fix something, um, and grief, you know, uh, for better or for worse, cannot be fixed. And so there's pressure on me to fix it, which um, I think was a, I don't know, there's a lot of value. Like, I feel grateful for how much grief I've uh, seen in my clinical work, because I think it's taken pressure off that really doesn't serve us, but is so common, you know, as we go through training mm-hmm. and we get into like early career, um, like, I don't need to feel like it's my job to solve all of these issues because um, that's not really what why we do this. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is very refreshing to hear. Um, it's not something that I get to hear very often too, but it, it's just a reminder of, of why I get along with you so much and how I was always learning from you when we were, you know, in, in school together or in our training together too. Um, in 
when I think about grief too, and, and, and just in my practice, and especially private practice, I mean, it's incredible to think everyone has experience with grief of some sort, right? If it's not a person they've lost or an animal they lost, it might be an experience. It might be their health or their freedom. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about pregnancy in itself, but that loss of freedom or that loss of self before pregnancy is, is something my therapist named for me and being able to look at it in that way and to, it doesn't need to be fixed is really powerful. Mm-hmm. One, because we like to see things as, okay, let's get over it. And when you mentioned, you know, your patients telling you that their family members have told them, why aren't you over this? Um, I relate to that so much from, from my own clients. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times they're in therapy because they might've had family members that said, you need to get over this now, thinking that's what therapy is going to do to get over the loss they had, yeah. which is, like you said, heartbreaking. Um, but I I have been fascinated lately about the grief cycle and what that could look like. Do we need to complete the cycle? It's never really completed. And yet there is, there is like, you know, evidence, I know like the really early evidence on, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross mm-hmm. who did like the brief stages like we had to learn that in grad school and for a licensure and understanding those stages and yet we know there's overlap and the more research that has gone on on grief is really fascinating because um, we just know more and more that it has to do with how our brain functions how our brain understands memory mm-hmm. and how we can actually how processing is the most important thing so ideally you can't we can't get over it it's always going to be part that person or that time of our lives or our health will always be a part of us. It's, it's really, how do we honor that? How do we make meaning from that going forward? And I'm glad that, um, you know, despite that hard times, 2020, there has been a more like mainstream understanding of loss and grief. I think Mm -hmm. the pandemic really played a big role in that too. And yet I think a lot of people have not processed even when, happened in 2020 or the pandemic, we just kind of moved on with our lives too, and didn't recognize what we've lost. Mm -hmm. Um, What, I guess, advice would you have for our listeners who have maybe unprocessed grief? Or I guess, what advice would you have for those who are realizing that there's grief about something they haven't processed? So maybe it isn't loss of a person, but it might be of their identity or their health. Um, Mm -hmm. What's your advice for you? I mean, for them. An excellent question. Um, I mean, even just thinking about the stages of grief, like that is a obviously foundational theory. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it is kind of misunderstood or misrepresented as linear. And it's just not. It's mm-hmm. um, You can cycle through like all of these stages, like these, the experiences um, kind of named in the five stages are absolutely a part of grief in addition to a lot of other things. Um, But like, you don't get just like, you know, from denial to acceptance, just like in a, on a timeline. (laughs) And um, (laughs) if only, yeah. And I think it's, it makes sense that we don't because the loss doesn't go away. As you said, it's, um, you know, I don't want to like, again, I don't want to pathologize just normative grief Mm -hmm. experience, but I think we can, um, we could say that grief is a chronic condition 
um, because it is ongoing, right? And and it's something that we manage more than something we hear. Um, and so I think the it, part of the advice I would have for people who are maybe just getting in touch with grief or recognizing it, showing up in ways they didn't realize, or feeling like they have unprocessed grief. I think that's, like you said, the pandemic mm -hmm. stunted a lot of like grief processing and then um, also just physical distance from people. Like I know plenty of people who lost mm -hmm. a loved one during COVID and could not mm -hmm. say go to a, their funeral or the funeral didn't happen like in the timeline it usually would and that there is this kind of then like disconnect um and maybe a lack of like closure quote unquote um i think you know in terms of of advice i part of it is like there's no right way to do it and there's no you should be moving through these steps and um a lot of like processing grief is first like getting in touch with it um identifying it and like sitting with it which is really um and some acceptance around like this won't go away it will change over time like our grief changes a lot and it should um mm -hmm. but it's not gone um you know especially when we've lost a loved one it's just like how you know it's we don't want to fill this hole that someone left um we lost mm -hmm. someone very specific you know in our life and um that deserves to still like hold a space. I liked your mention of meaning making too, um, just cause it's like such a part of the grief literature and treatment. And it's mm -hmm. kind of the work of grief. Um, when I talk to patients is like, you don't have to be positive all the time after you've lost someone mm -hmm. or something, you're allowed to feel sad. You're allowed to feel angry, annoyed tired of having to think about it and feel it and deal with it um but finding that they're like finding meaning um out of something like that is what helps us integrate that loss going forward into our life mm. um you know in the example of like losing a loved one that relationship doesn't end the connection mm. you have with them doesn't end um just because they are no longer like here uh, in the same way. And so that mm -hmm. it, it does then become a really strange connection and finding mm -hmm. where it fits into your life, uh, mm -hmm. how you honor it and how you um, get in touch with it is I think more important than I, you know, don't feel sad about that loss anymore. And that means I did it. And I get an A plus at grief mm -hmm. processing. Yeah. And yeah. We don't get extra credit for, for completing the, no. our grief, right? Mm -hmm. We don't complete it. 
if we get to that point where, okay, I'm not sad about that anymore, right? It's really important that we we process that too. Um, but I remember seeing research on how we appraise the closeness that we had to the person that we lost to cope with them being gone. And usually this has been, I think this has been shown with like loss of parents mm-hmm. um, where much older adults will say, well, I wasn't that close to them anyway. And that had been a coping mechanism. And that was a really fascinating um, understanding too, to be able to help us realize that that might actually be doing the opposite effect too in the long run. In the short term, there's might there might be avoidance there too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, especially during the really profound loss, um, the first, you're, you're kind of in survival mode anyway. You're just trying to survive and get through um, just getting your basic needs met. Mm-hmm if you can. Right. And then it's, we really see some of the deeper work and grief and honoring that person in our lives and that relationship, um, even many, many years later, and we continue to see that. So I think that's important for, for all of us to remember too. Um, that saying like grief is not linear. Gosh, that's so, that's so important to, to remember and to recognize. Um, I really love visuals and maybe I'll post this on like on our Instagram page, but there's like this, this, image of I think it's like a jar and it's showing grief and the 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 hope is that we try to make the grief smaller so we can fit other things into our life Mm -hmm. Um, but the visual is showing the jar of our life getting bigger Mm -hmm. so grief stays but we add other things into our life that make it meaningful right the the people the community uh, which kind of leads me to another question I got from asking Instagram followers Mm -hmm. which was when we have grief, how do we, how do you get support? How do you get support from it? If the people in your life don't understand your loss. So say they're saying, say the family member or whoever's saying you should just get over it from now. Um, are there communities or there places? Do you have any suggestions in from, from your work? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I mean, you know, they kind of like, easy answer for us is like if you're not already seeing a therapist that can help Um, and I think prioritizing finding someone who makes you feel like your grief is valid like there's space for it um, that you're not being rushed through it and Mm -hmm. it can be a tricky balance right like it's okay to want things to be different and it's okay to want to handle things differently and and cope better um Mm -hmm. and so we definitely don't want to feel stuck and in therapy and like nothing's changing um Mm -hmm. but we also want to be able to pace ourselves and know it's not the maybe the feelings around the loss or missing a person that needs to change it's more like how do we Mm -hmm. like you said like find a bigger jar and I like that visual. I've mm-hmm. heard kind of different versions of that same concept of like mm-hmm. the grief doesn't change in size, mm-hmm. but we can like fill in the around it and it takes up less um, volume when the container is different. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a really like, I, I also like visuals. I think that one helps a lot because it is, um again kind of the idea of like honoring that space that that was 
that belonged to someone or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, ther- again, therapy can be helpful. There are tons of online communities. Um, mm-hmm. And there are a lot of really kind of specialized support groups, a lot of which that like got kind of moved to Zoom and never left Zoom. Yeah. Um, so good point. I, I definitely have um, a pretty, I would say like robust list of resources I get, I can give to patients. And I'm happy to send you them. Uh, and a lot of them, you know, are local to Denver, but, but a lot of them are like local to Denver, but over Zoom and anyone can join and they're free. Perfect. And that can range from like support groups for parents who have lost a child or a, um, mm-hmm. whether that, I think illness is a little more common, right? Like there are a lot of cancer caregiving um, support groups and, yes, and, that's right. um, I think the world of oncology definitely mm-hmm. has uh, a wealth of this kind of yeah. support group, uh, support groups built in and has for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other communities that I think, you know, can have taken from from that or or embrace the idea of like, Mm. if you just put it out there of like, hey, I had this thing happen in my life. And is anyone else going through that too? And the internet, you know, for Mm -hmm. all the ways that it is bad, (laughs) not good, (laughs) perhaps not always uh, contributing to our health (laughs) we want to put it a little more clinically um it does a really good job of of that of connecting people with with Mm -hmm. other people who have sometimes shockingly similar experiences oh yeah and that can be so validating Mm -hmm. and and you know individual therapy is not for everyone support groups are not for everyone but knowing that um i mean you can search for a lot of different things and and find something that hopefully clicks with you. There are a lot of good books that I would recommend. Perfect. Great. Thank you for sharing that. There's a lot of resources out there and maybe it's it can be overwhelming because there are so many support groups. So being really specific, um, I think in, in our searches can be really helpful for those um, listening who are wanting to find an online um, community or support. Um, I know we don't have much time left um, but I do want to like add a note that Lee has um, research in this area and her dissertation was on grief and on social media specifically and how social media, specifically Facebook memories can can impact that. I know it was really fascinating and very um, important time to do that research. Too. It is funny when you're talking about COVID, I was thinking about yeah. my dissertation defense was like April of 2020. Oh my god! Um, and it was, a, it was a little bit on the nose uh, at the time, yeah. um, but very much a part of the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And it was over Zoom. The there were a lot of take homes from the research, and it's something that I I'm really glad that I got a chance to do. It was a qualitative study, so there was kind of like broad themes, but um, I think what like struck me the most or sticks with me now is the 
varied experience um, of like having a Facebook memory pop up when you're not expecting it. Um, so, so on days like this person's birthday or, or like holidays, you're probably going to come across pictures of this person you've lost, especially if they were in your immediate family or your close friend circle. Um, and we might see those coming and we might kind of mentally and emotionally prepare for that. Um, or we might kind of dread it and not know how to prepare for it. And a lot of people express some like very mixed feelings about about really unexpected ones so like a random thursday mm -hmm. you happen to have done x y and z with this person and posted it on facebook and now it's popping up um and it can feel um, um disorienting to a lot of folks and and some like really really touching right like a really meaningful memory a really like a um, cherished memory, something they, they totally forgot even happened. And they feel so grateful that they saw the next of it, the timing of it, and um, makes that experience like really, really varied. And over time, like a lot of people said, like sometimes it's great and it warms my heart and it makes me feel really connected to this person. And sometimes it makes me so mad. Um, that I want to throw my phone across the room, like, and, mm -hmm. and that could be, you know, like, uh, one week versus the next week, like that, um, that they feel that way. And I think that's the thing that sticks with me. Um, as I was analyzing that data was like, this is, you are allowed to feel all sorts of things at any point. And that mm. is still part of the process. And you're also allowed to feel both angry or upset or shocked when you come across unexpected reminders of this person as much as you are like really glad to have them um, because it is a, it's not one thing or another. Um, and <laughs> that social media too can like activate some of that. And sometimes it's simply not the time um to to get a facebook memory of some of you someone you've lost right like if you're in the middle of the work day Absolutely. and you look at your phone and you're like oh right. cool i didn't need to go there emotion thinking about it kind of can help people shape also the how they engage with social media i would hope so it's the internet is complicated social media is complicated but you know to to start wrapping this up like grief is complicated and we don't have to feel alone in it. So it's, it's the fear is no one else feels the same way I feel. What's wrong with me? Why am I not over this? And that is also normal. And I can, I might feel okay today. Tomorrow I might not feel okay. And that again is all normal. And other people are feeling the same way. And if there are what, 8 billion of us in this world now, <laughs> the chances that someone, are there? I need to check. Don't ask me. How many? That sounds, many that sounds right, but that sounds like too many. I feel like someone was an eighth billion person to be to be born, and it was like a big deal. But in my mind, there's still only seven billion. Uh, I'll double check that. But <laughs> of all the billion people who live in our world, the chances that someone's going through the same exact thing as you—I mean, literally thinking the same thing as you—in regards to their grief 
is is higher because there's mm-hmm. so many of us and they might be feeling that way. And so just that's like a little bit of a like a self-compassion focused technique we use in therapy um, that shared humanity as lonely and as complex as our grief feels knowing that there's someone else who's going through the same thing. So the internet might be a helpful resource for that. A therapist is obviously we're big fans of therapy and we really honor the work that we Mm. do. Um, Finding a safe person that you can trust who will be able to validate um, what you're feeling. And, and like I said, right, the majority of us, if we have not already faced grief and if we haven't already lost someone close to us, we will. Mm. Um, And that is the unfortunate truth, unless something happens to us first. Um, so regards to skill, I mean, it is a an experience that we will have. We can't run from it. We can't avoid it, but we can honor it. We can be there for each other. And I think that's where the community aspect comes into. Um, there's so much more we could keep saying and talking about this. It's such a, it's a hard topic and it's a beautiful topic too. And I think we'll probably talk about grief more in the future. Um, but thank you so much, Lee. Um, Lee, Dr. Kunkel. We're, we're both licensed psychologists since we were in person last. Oh, so it's really nice to to be where we are now. Um, again, thank you for being on our show. I'm looking forward to talking with you more and to everyone else. Um, thank you so much for listening and for all of your support. We hope you have a good day and be kind to yourselves. Bye-bye.